Welcome, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We are nearing the end of our series on the Apostles' Creed, and we are led in this message by our pastor of family life, the Reverend Jamie Kendrew. You can find the previous messages in this series on the Christ Church app or on our website, ccgf.org. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at ccgf01, and we're on Facebook. Here's Pastor Jamie with the message, I Believe in the Resurrection of the Body. Thanks for listening. So, Father, we love you and we thank you for this moment this morning that we are able to be here worshiping you. And Lord, as we sing those words that you will rise, that we will rise with you, we pray, Lord, that you would reveal the realness of that statement. That you will speak to our hearts in such a way that we will hear exactly what it is that you need us to hear. Because this morning, Lord, we have a tough conversation as we are looking at that phrase of we believe in the resurrection of the body. It's really not a tough subject, God, but we have either wandered away from what it means or forgotten or never even heard. So, Lord Jesus, we believe that you have rose from the dead. So this morning, speak to our hearts as we talk about what that next phrase means. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen, Christ Church. Well, you may be seated. Well, I'm Pastor Jamie Kendrew, and I am honored to be preaching with you this morning. You know, we as pastors have been talking a little bit about how, as the, the Apostle Creed series has gone along, uh, it's, it's really gotten some, into some very deep, tough statements. And, and this week is no change, as we're going to start our morning off with a light topic of talking about what does it mean to when we say the phrase, I believe in the resurrection of the body. Light morning, right? We got this. Um, but I do want to say this, as we're talking about these very deep doctrines and concepts, I want to encourage you, if you have questions, if you don't understand something we preach about or that you have read, you know, we as a pastoral staff, we love to have conversations with you, and, and especially after today and next week, because they're both very um, difficult topics to speak on. And so I want to encourage you, please email us, make appointments. Um, we would love to get together with you and talk with you through these things because these are things we as Christians need to understand. In fact, after this sermon today, if you have questions for me, you can email me at jot at ccgf.org. <laughs> nice. Just kidding. We welcome the conversation. Last Sunday was an interesting day for me. We had a fantastic service here at the church, and I volunteer in Cranberry Township uh, with a hockey association. We were finishing up our tournament, um, and my son and I, it was around um, 8 o'clock at night, had decided we were going to take a drive real quick. We were going to help clean up after the tournament, and we were at what's called Graham Park in Cranberry. And while we were there, we were driving through the park, and my son and I saw a man kneel down to one knee, and then fall over on his back, and he looked like he was stretching. He was running. It's a, there's athletic uh, facilities all along the pathways there, the jogging trails. And this man knelt down, and he, at the, at the base of uh, some workout equipment, laid flat on his back. And I looked at my son, and I said, Brandon, something about that didn't look right. And so we turned our car around, and we came back. And when I came back, there had already been several ladies had gathered over this man, and I parked the car, and I told my son, I need you to stay here and pray. 
And I ran across as a woman began CPR on this man. He was unconscious. He was healthy. He looked maybe in his mid to early 40s. And we called 911 and I radioed up to our, um, to our hockey facility and I said, hey, I need you to send the nurses and any doctors down. We've got an unconscious man here. And we worked on this man for what seemed like an eternity but only ended up being about 10 to 20 minutes when the first police officer showed up. The police officer brought the AED machine over and, and, and they shocked this man three times. Nothing. The paramedics arrived. They continued CPR But the reality was, is right before me and my son, this man just died. Now as a pastor, I'm around death often. But for some reason, this moment I was connected to this man whom I've never met in a very different way. His lifeless body laying there. Thinking upon the sermon that I'm preaching this week, I began to ask the question in my own head... What happens to us when we die? Where is this man? What's the next step? My heart began to sink, and I thought to myself, did he believe in our Lord Jesus Christ? He didn't have any identification on him. We didn't even know his name. Did he have a family? So I just began to think about the resurrection of the body and what happens to us when we die. You know, the reality of it is, is each and every one of us, we're going through things in life. We've lost loved ones. We've had those loved ones that have gone to be with the Lord. And and, and death is something that we were not designed for. Did you know that? That when we were created, we were created by God in such a way for His pleasure and His joy that sin entered the world and broke us. We're not made for death. We're not made for sin. It comes naturally to us, and all of us are sinners since that first moment with Adam and Eve, but we were not designed that way. We were not created that way. That's why it's so foreign and hurtful to us. You know, Paul answers that very question for us, for those of us that maybe have ever asked the question, what happens to us when we die? And if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians 15, with me, And if you don't have a Bible, I would like for you to grab a Bible out of the pew um, because we're going to be in this passage, this entire chapter, a lot today. And it's important for you to see these words because there's a lot of things stated in this passage of Scripture that explain a lot about what we believe as a church. What's happening in Corinth and Ephesus and some of the other towns in the Roman Empire right now is you have the, this whole Christianity thing is being figured out. And so you have false teachers going around teaching false things. There's Hymenaeus and Philetus who are teaching that this resurrection has already happened. Or you have the pagans who are teaching that, that, that there is no afterlife. That when we die, there's just oblivion. There's nothing. And so what's happening in Corinth is there's a group of Christians who are starting to pick and choose what they believe is true. Does that sound like anybody, church? I want to tell you something. You did not write the word of God. The Corinthian church did not write the word of God. I did not write the word of God. And until we get a promotion that has Christ at the end of it, it is not our place to change anything in this book. 
The Corinthian church was trying to be culturally hip and culturally trend, and they didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But what Paul goes into in this passage of Scripture is, I would rather hurt your feelings than see you walk into eternity into damnation. And I want to tell you, church, the Word of God is secure enough. God is secure enough. He's big enough to handle the world's persecution. You did not write the book. He did. But we as believers need to live by us, by it. And it is not our duty to pick and choose what we want to believe based on our convenience. Amen? So we ask the question, what happens to us when we die? Well, Paul gives us a clear answer. Why is it in the creed that we confess that Jesus is risen from the dead, but then it also mentions towards the end of the creed, very specifically, that we believe in the resurrection of the body? It's not talking about Jesus in that moment. Do you know that? Now, it is by default, because Jesus is the resurrected Lord, and the fact that he was resurrected, being fully God, fully man, is where the power comes from. But when we say that moment in the creed that we believe in the resurrection of the body, we are making a statement as a church that we believe as Christians that we will one day rise with Jesus Christ in a perfected new body. Did you know that? Maybe this is news to you this morning. Well, like I said, you can email me and we can get together. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15 as Paul gives us a fantastic answer as to why we would include that in the creed. He says, now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. And if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Paul's stating that I have come, I have preached the gospel to you, and that gospel message is that mystery of faith. That Christ has died, that Christ is risen, and that Christ will come again. When we say Christ will come again, do you know what we're confessing in that moment, church? That we believe in the bodily resurrection, that one day we will rise. He says, for what I receive, I pass on to you as of its most importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised, and on the third day according to scripture, and that he appeared to Peter. And he goes on to give a list of things that talk about all these different moments where Jesus appeared to his disciples. He even goes on to talk about how Jesus appeared to him. Reminded the Corinthian church that when we confess Christ as our Lord and Savior, we say that there is a resurrection of Jesus and that there is a resurrection of the dead. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? See, the problem in Corinth was that they were teaching there was no resurrection of the dead. They were falling back into some of their pagan beliefs and they were making the claim that there is just nothingness. There is oblivion. So again, some were teaching that they had already experienced that resurrection. Paul is reminding them, that's not the gospel I preached to you. That is not the gospel of the word. But if it preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised from the dead. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Paul's basically making the claim in this moment that if we don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, we're basically calling Jesus Christ a liar, and we are knuckleheads for believing it. 
He goes on and on about that. He talks about this. He says, and if Christ has not been raised from the dead, your faith is futile. Your hope in Christ, uh, and we sh- excuse me, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for, their, for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Paul uses a phrase that we're going to come back to here. He talks about those who are asleep. And I'll explain that here in a couple of minutes. But he's going to say it several times. He goes on to talk to the Corinthian church and he says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead in verse 20. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. There it is again. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own turn, Christ the first fruits, and when he comes, those who belong to him. What Paul just did is he told us there's an order to these things. That when Jesus rose from the dead on the cross, he was the first resurrection. And what are we promised? We're promised that when we confess our Lord as, uh, Christ as our Lord and Savior, we will be made like Him. And what Paul is saying is, we will be made like Him in such a way that we will be a part of that second resurrection. We will be made alive, but each in his own turn. Christ in the first fruits, um, we belong to then at the end, Then the end will come when He hands over the kingdom of God to the Father, and He talks about how God will reign supreme how death will be defeated, and how sin will be ultimately conquered. He continues on um, by talking to the Corinthian church about the significance of that resurrection of Jesus Christ. And how if we as a people don't want to believe in the resurrected body because to to the culture of that day it was a gross, creepy thing, that we can't believe in Jesus. He goes on to say this in verse 33. He says, Do not be misled because bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. And I say this to you, shame. Paul is not being nice in this moment. Paul is not being gentle. He's doing this in love and with respect. But he's saying to the Corinthian church, Get your minds together, people. We confess Christ crucified and raised because him crucified defeated sin and him raised defeated death. And if we are going to be like him, we too one day will have resurrected bodies. And so now we come to verse 35. He says, but someone may ask, how then are the dead raised? You see, there was a grotesque uh, thing in the culture then that I just found out about that there was actually puppet shows that would take place in this day, and they would actually reanimate dead corpses of criminals. That's awful. You know, today we might look to that and say, when we think of the risen dead, some of you may instantly think of the show The Walking Dead. There's something about our humanity that we have a fascination with the dead. But Paul says, listen to this, people. That that, that is a ridiculous question. They are not going to be like zombies. They are not going to be rotted corpses that come out of the grave. He says, that's foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps, of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined. Did you hear that? God gives that 
thing, the body, it is determined. Now, Paul is using an agricultural illustration. He's talking about a seed. And when you think about it, a seed is planted, and an, and an apple tree seed actually dies. It rots. But what happens is, is that seed turns into something else. It's still an apple tree, and it still turns into part of the apple. And so there's this continuity from death to the new creation. And as it is for us, when we die, our mortal bodies will crumble and perish. But God will turn us into something perfect. He will turn us into what we were meant to be. Did you hear what I just said to you, church? You're perfect. You're just not there yet. You are perfect. God will perfect you, and he will turn you into that beautiful thing that you were meant to be. And this is the scripture passage that tells us this. We are not going to be dead corpses, but we are going to be perfected spiritual bodies. He goes on, and I'm going to read the scripture, and I want you to pay attention, because Paul does a fantastic, fantastic job of explaining this. He says, all flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies in their earthly bodies. And he continues on talking about the stars, the sun, the moon, and all that good stuff. We jump down to verse 42 where it says, So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, and it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor and raised in glory. It is sown in weakness and raised in power. It is sown in a natural body, but raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written that first man, Adam, became a living being, and the last Adam, who is Jesus, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was the dust of the earth. The second man came from heaven. Did you catch that? We are like Adam in the fact that because of sin and brokenness, we will experience a death. For those of us that believe in Jesus Christ, we will not experience a second death, but we will experience a second life. Because you see, we will return to the dust of this earth. But just as Christ Jesus came down from heaven, we will be raised one day with him in eternity. Isn't that good news, church? The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man of heaven. In verse 48 it says, As as was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is for the man from heaven, so also are those who are in heaven. And just as we have been born the likeness of the earthly man, you shall bear the likeness of the man from heaven. That's good news. We were born into a brokenness. But because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ on the cross, we will be made like him. He says, I declare to you in verse 50, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. He goes on to talk about how some of us will not die because Christ will come back. But I want to address that word sleep. This is difficult. You know, we have this idea in our minds of what takes place when we die. But when Paul is referring to this sleep, as he has done several times, he's referring to a fact that when we go to bed at night, when you close your eyes, 
What is the very next thing that you experience? What's that? Say it out loud. You wake up. When you go to sleep, you wake up. Whether that's a moment of prayer, whether that's to your wife snoring, which would never be my story, you wake up. And what Paul is saying here is those of us that die, we will wake up with Christ. Now, what that looks like is very hard for us to understand because, remember, we're finite humans. We have a limited capacity to understand truth and knowledge, and God is a mystery. And so when Paul makes the statement that not all of us will fall asleep, he's making a statement that is not popular in our world today, that Hollywood has, has, doesn't like either because the truth is there's a lot of us out there as Christians think that we're going to turn into angels, And I want you to hear me as lovingly as you can hear this. That's not true. Because what will happen to us is that seed will die. And one day Christ is going to return. And in a single moment he will call all of those who are asleep in him. And we will awaken those new creations. And we will rise to glory with him. That's good news, isn't it? Think about this. When you awaken your eyes upon your death, the next face you see will be Jesus Christ. And beside you will be those lost relatives. And guess what? They will be getting to Jesus at the same time as you. I don't understand that. I can't fathom that. That my grandmother, my grandfather my aunts, my uncles. We will see Jesus together when he calls our name. No more darkness, no more pain. We will rise like on eagle's wings. And a lot of times that's hard for us to understand because the Bible does say to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We we know that Jesus turned to the man to the side of him on the cross and he says, today you will be with me in paradise. So how does that all work out? I can honestly tell you, I don't know. But I can't understand because I have a finite mind trying to understand something infinite. Remember, church, God does not operate in the rules of this world. Don't make him small to think that he does. Amen? And when it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, I believe it. And when Paul says we go to sleep in the Lord and the next face that we see will be Jesus Christ, I believe it. I can't wait to see my grandma Chevalier's reaction. I can't wait to see my wife's reaction. It's going to be incredible because I'm going to be perfected into the creation that God wanted me to be. And so will you. I don't know if you have cancer, arthritis, addictions, pain, whatever it is. In that moment, we will be perfected and God will take away the mortal and he will make us immortal. We will be risen, we will be risen with Jesus Christ. We will be in his likeness, not just in his death, but in the resurrection of Christ. For we will be resurrected, sacred, pure, holy bodies. We will not be of this earth, but we will be something spiritual, something beautiful. He goes on and says this in these last words, we will not sleep, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable and will be changed. 
For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that it is written will come true, that death has been swallowed up in victory. We win. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God because he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul tells us. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you and always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labors are not in vain. What a good passage of scripture. We can have hope because we know that in our forgiveness of sins, in our confession of Christ, we one day will be made like Christ to the point of having resurrected bodies and we will dwell with him in eternity. You know, I couldn't leave it alone. I had to find out who that man was. I lost sleep for two nights. And finally, through some digging and prying with the right people, I found out who that man that died was. I discovered that he was a board member at his church. I discovered that he had a 12-year-old and a 9-year-old and a 4-year-old. That he had a wife whom he loved. I discovered that he was a man of the community. And I discovered that he was a follower of Christ Jesus. And though I had been losing sleep for a few nights over this whole incident, in that moment when I discovered these truths, there was a peace that came over me to know that this man had an idea of the fact that one day his broken body would be risen that the flesh would be gone and he would be made perfect in who God wanted him to be. He would see his family again, but most importantly, he would be with Christ Jesus. What a beautiful ending to that story. I was touched when they were not having a funeral for the man, but they were having a celebration of life because his family knew that in the Apostles' Creed, when we made the statement that we believe in the resurrection of the body, that everything we just talked about comes with that. That we believe that we will be risen with our Lord and Savior, washed white as snow, without spot or blemish. I look forward to that. And I pray that I will see each and every one of you there with us. But don't get angry of me if I don't give you the time of day, because I'm going to be looking at Jesus. And I bet you'll be doing the same thing. We believe in the resurrection of the body. And we believe in the life everlasting. Amen, church? Next week, you're going to hear the really good stuff. Won't you come back and hear Pastor Jared talk next week about the life everlasting. So would you stand with me now as we take a moment and we affirm our faith by stating out loud together, the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father, the Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, And on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father.
And He will come again to judge the living and the dead. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank You for the hope that we have in You, God. Thank You for the fact that Christ on the cross defeated sin, and in His resurrection He defeated death. And thank You that one day You will make us like You, that You will perfect us, that You will transform us, and that we will forever dwell with You in our resurrected bodies. In your name we pray. Amen.